This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. The Blitz is broadcasting in HD on your FM dial. Turn your HD equipped radio to 106.9 KHTT HD2. All right, it's 2.37 here on the Blitz 1170. Hope that you've had a good day so far. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Matt Hubbard. And let's hit up the hotline and welcome in Dean Rule from the Tulsa World, who covers the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Dean, what's going on today, man? Oh, not too much. Just making it one day at a time. I hear you, man. Um, this Oklahoma State situation that they find themselves in, like you, you go through every day, right, and you read the likes of Palm and Lenardi. Uh, we had on a, a a different bracketologist on Monday, yesterday, talking about the likelihood of Oklahoma State. There is, it, it, as much as we might say that conference tournaments might not matter a whole lot in the grand scheme, because of the strength of the Big 12, there there's still a pathway for Oklahoma State here, and it doesn't necessarily involve winning the Big 12 tournament but it does mean at least winning at minimum two games in the tournament if they want to find themselves in because they're just right there on the fringe, Dean. Yeah, they're right there on the fringe, and that's kind of where they've been the whole season outside of a couple weeks when they went on their win streak and got all the way up to an eight seed. With OSU, I think two wins, that, that sounds about right. That's where I'd, I'd put it as well because I think – Beating Oklahoma for a third time doesn't move the needle enough. I think it it obviously helps, but I think they're still on unstable ground just on that win alone. And I think things get really interesting if they're able to play Texas close. Um, I I think it helps their cause out a little bit. But yeah, you're you're still kind of are they in? Are they out? It's a weird situation. If they beat Texas, they're in. Um, the number two seed there uh, in the next round. If they beat Oklahoma, then they beat Texas. They're for sure in at that point. But just beating Oklahoma, it's I think it leaves up leaves too much stuff to chance for them. It also kind of it hinges on the bid thieves that are out there as well. Like tonight, if you see UNCW beat Charleston, who has 30 wins for crying out loud. You know, you got to be rooting for the likes of ORU not to get upset by a North Dakota State. You've got to keep an eye on a lot of things that are happening right now. But, um, you know, if if one thing goes Oklahoma State's way in terms of just winning that second game in the tournament and, and getting a, a solid Texas win underneath them, I don't know what their net would move up to at that time. But right now it's what's sitting around 43 I think is what they have. But if you were to just look, Palm has them ranked as the 43rd in the net. That's his second team out. Lenardi has them as their third team out. Um, It's not out of the realm of possibility. That's why I'm so fascinated by what we're going to see in in Kansas City anyway, Dean, because there's, what, a group of three or four teams that are fighting for their lives and then the early games of the tournament. It could be just mass chaos. Yeah, this is not a situation that's unique to Oklahoma State. And that's, that is looking at all the teams across the country, and that's also looking at all the teams in the Big 12 conference. There's, 
teams are still fighting for position. Some of these teams, yeah, I'd say about five or six of them are, are pretty much secured they're going to be in. But, hey, jumping from the two line up to the one line or jumping from the five line up to the three or four line, that these teams still care about position in, in this uh, in this tournament. And I, that's why I don't think you're going to have anybody taking possessions off. And, and I think you're just going to get great basketball for four days. We've mentioned over the past couple of days, there have been two instances uh, that we've talked about openly where you've heard coaches and players say, hey, man, we just needed a win. Um, Eric Musselman talked about just needing a win. Uh, ultimately, that didn't happen. Uh, I've heard Kyrie Irving and the Mavericks say, hey, after they beat the 76ers, we just needed a win to kind of stabilize ourselves. Boy, the Cowboys sure needed that on Saturday, didn't they? No matter what the scenario was and how that game played out, um, just getting a win, I think, was something that everyone could just kind of take a, a big sigh of relief and say, okay, you know what, we've calmed things down a bit. Now we can move forward and just focus completely on the tournament in KC. Yeah, and, and the announcers on that game were quick to point out, hey, whoever wins this game at least keeps their their tournament hopes alive. Uh, you know, Texas Tech has kind of fallen out of the equation now after that loss, and it, the roles could have been reversed had, had OSU ended up losing that. Yeah, you know, late in the game, they lost their lead. They were up. 13 points in, in, in the second half and Texas Tech stormed back and that's kind of been reminiscent of the, the Cowboys season this year of getting some big leads and kind of seeing them evaporate uh, late in the game. And I thought that might have been a situation they were looking at on Saturday, but they showed some, some guts, some moxie. They were able to, to escape with a win there. And like you said, no matter how it looked, the win is the win. Uh, keeps those tournament dreams alive for now uh, but they could have those tournament dreams could evaporate with a loss to Oklahoma who you know I I, I think not to go on too far of a tangent about what they're going to see with the Sooners but Grant Sherfield they've been able to shut down twice uh, in in the two regular season games because they have that elite on-ball defender like Avery Anderson now I'd be concerned what's that going to look like without Avery Anderson and can Grant Sherfield do what he's done against teams like Alabama, you know, scoring almost 30 on them. That finish the other day in Lubbock was, was wild. Uh, where do you even want to begin, right, with the way that that game finished? Because, I mean, Asbury gets the lead back for them. There's less than two minutes to go. But it seemed like that there was so much that happened, Dean, in a two-minute span in order for Oklahoma State to get out of there with a victory. I mean, that seemed like that final two minutes took forever. Uh, that, that is very true. Those final two minutes took forever. Um, yeah, I mean, Caleb Asbury is the reason they won that game. Some some big plays by Tyreek Smith. So that I mean, that offensive rebound was huge to get to, get to the foul line. Musa Cisse scoring. On replay, it looks like Musa might have traveled on that. On that, um, I, I think that that's super interesting. He might have traveled there, and then on top of that, had he just dribbled it out, would have been better. And then on top of that, I thought Pop Isaacs, when he's throwing the ball from three fourths down the court, and he gets fouled, I thought that was a shooting foul because he picked he had picked up the dribble already, and, and they ruled it a you know he was down. It wasn't a shooting foul, but Imagine if he would have 
sent to the line for three free throws to tie the game with whatever 1.4 seconds left. Yeah, and we didn't even get into all of the tech people that were losing their minds on clock management uh, that were out there <laughs> either with the way that that kind of ended up playing out. Uh, Musa Cisse, uh boy, kind of rough to watch him have to hobble back out onto the court um, in a in a situation that happened there towards the end of the game. Where is he at right now in terms of health? I, I would assume it's probably much like it has been now over the past two or three games since he's kind of re-injured that thing. They're going to try to just get him through whatever they can get him through, but it's it's really kind of to the point of the season where, hey, man, I know that you hurt, but we really desperately need you on the floor. Yeah, he's showing some tremendous guts right now and some grit, and, and that's, that's impressive. Um, as for the injury... Mike Boynton said last week it, it's not re-aggravated what he had earlier in the season, but in that Baylor game he had he, he was he took a charge and he had a Baylor player land on top of his leg, so there wasn't any twisting or turning, um, but he just kind of landed on top of it. Mike Boynton says more kind of like a bruise. There's no structural damage, but he, you know it's going to cause problems. And, and as you've seen, you know, yeah, like you said, he's hobbling around. It, it's it's clearly affecting how he plays, but I, I think this one is less serious uh, than the first one. How important was it for them to not just get the victory, but you kind of touched on this earlier. It's become old hat with him giving up leads. They show signs there of, all right, we, we've had these leads evaporate before, but this one in a absolute 100% must win situation, Dean, they find a way to come through. Is that any type of confidence booster for them besides just getting a win? I think it is a tremendous confidence booster. And I think it's something that we've seen this team do over the span of this year. Those early games, yeah, they've lost those leads and they've not been able to get them back. And it's, it's ended up resulting in a loss for them and recently in the past month I know there's been they went on a five game losing streak but in some of those wins they've uh to point to last Saturday's game and the the Texas Tech game earlier in the month both situations kind of happened where opposing teams clawed back into it in the second half it became a a back and forth game and OSU has been able to come out on top TCU uh in Stillwater earlier this year. That, that's another good example of, of losing the lead and being able to fight back. I think it's they're able to accomplish it by having such an experienced kind of older team. And I think they've kind of been able to, to fix some of those issues. They're still letting teams get back into the game, but uh, they're able to at least come out with the win still. Where are we at with Avery Anderson? How, the report that was first out by what John Rothstein on this. Okay, he's 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 being reevaluated, is what they say. But what have you been able to put together, Dean, on this? Is there is that just a report that comes out giving a glimmer of hope? Is there any what's the what's even the likelihood or scenario in which is there even one that exists with Avery Anderson back on the floor? So I spoke with Avery two weeks ago. And he said the goal was always to there, – there's always the possibility he could return for the Mar- for March Madness. Um, what portion of that? That might be they would need to get into the second weekend yeah. of March Madness for him to be able to play. Uh, so I, I would say don't expect him in the, in the Big 12 tournament or, you know, if they end up maybe going to the NIT, I would say 
don't expect to see him at all. Um, if they do end up getting to the NCAA tournament, and if they are able to maybe get a win or two, then I'd start to say, hey, it's, we could seriously see him come back. And that's based on what he said. And, and as uh, Ross team reported, you know, they're, they're reevaluating. But I think that timetable of NCAA tournament, possibly him coming back, is still around. But I, I'd say it's unlikely. Yeah, just the timing of that. I was like, all right. <laughs> I think you might yeah. be you, you might be trying to give a little bit too much of uh, uh, some hope here to some Oklahoma State fans that he might find a way back. All right, let's uh, let's talk about uh, tomorrow night's game against Oklahoma. You kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, Oklahoma to me is still kind of the great unknown. They're they're the wild card in this because we've seen them beat really good teams and play really well against some teams, even in losses in conference play. We've also seen them absolutely come unraveled i don't even begin to know what to expect tomorrow night between uh oklahoma and oklahoma state in round three of bedlam i think you said it perfectly they are the ultimate wild card and personally i think if you're in a tournament like this you don't want to play the ultimate wild card because yeah you do not know who's going to show up i think that's kind of dangerous especially with a team like oklahoma who you know, they got nothing to lose. They're kind of dangerous just on that regard because, well, if they want to make the tournament, they got to win the thing. And we can talk about the odds of them actually winning the thing very low, but they've got that kind of, yeah, ultimate wild card because this team has beaten the – they've beaten number two Alabama. They're coming off a big win against TCU who hung 100 points on OSU a couple weeks ago. But yeah, they've also had some terrible losses in there in there as well, um, and I think not having Avery Anderson to, to build off our our previous uh, topic of discussion, it, it's going to be huge because OU does have you know I mentioned it earlier Grant Sherfield is great and Avery Anderson was able to shut him down both of the two prior games. Now you're not going to have Avery Anderson who is going to step up and, and take on that role because. Grant Sherfield gets hot. I, I I think OSU gets into some serious trouble. Who's a sneaky team to keep an eye on, in your opinion, Dean, inside the uh, conference tournament? Is there someone outside of Kansas or even Texas that you'd be like, you know what, that wouldn't shock me at all if we don't see them going to run? Jeez, there's there's a couple. I'd say of of the lower of this, the teams playing in the first round. I'm a really big fan of West Virginia. And, and that team that Bob Huggins has, I think it's a really solid team. That's just kind of a typical Bob Huggins, very fundamental, uh, you know, defensive-minded team. I think it's they they might be able to do something. I'm not saying they're going to win the thing, but I think they could maybe pull off an upset. And then more realistically, I would say you've got a team like Baylor. I'm a big fan of Baylor um, just for what they have. And then I think TCU – uh, I'd say could, could pull something off just with Mike Miles and, and how explosive he is, and that team's kind of starting to get healthy as well. Well, one thing's for certain, um, the likelihood of this tournament having some fireworks in it is rather high on the odds list. Uh, there's probably a group of, what, four, five, six teams that – could end up holding up the trophy by Saturday evening, and you'd be like, yeah, okay, I can see that, which hasn't always been the case at all. It should be a lot of fun up there in KC. Yeah, I agree. I mean, 
one through six seed, I would not be surprised if any of them win it. Uh, and even some of these these lower seeds, I'd say for them to go on a run, it's not a crazy idea. Not at all. Dean, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for your time. We'll uh, definitely check in again soon and uh, keep up the great work there at the Tulsa World. Well, for sure, man. Thanks for having me on. That's Dean Rule from the Tulsa World joining us here on the Blitz 1170 at 254. All right. The debut of a new song when we come back that is Big 12 themed. I marvel at the fact that this conference basically let most of the flowers or fruit shrivel up and die at one point on the vine and just basically say, ah, fend for yourselves. We're not going to give you anything. We're not going to water you on an active basis. We're not going to give you any fertilizer. No, 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 no. You're just going to have to wait. And whatever you get is, is, is just your good luck, your good fortune. In a span of a year, we've gone from a conference that was afraid to stick up for its own member institutions to call out nonsense, to becoming a tryhard. Oh, the Big 12 Conference is just a tryhard now. It's so weird. There's been no balance whatsoever from nothing to tryhard in about a year. And I'll explain a little bit more of what I mean by that when we come back with the debut of a brand new song, courtesy of the Big 12 Conference. That's next year on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.